and uh, I hope that the art education will go really in that direction, like pushing more towards this individual uh, belief, but at the same time don't lose that we can work together when we share the same goal, because it is very important to, we're not just individuals, but we are all connected. Hello friends and welcome back to another episode of Do I need school to be? The podcast in which me, Alex, is going to sit down with people in the creative industry or who are creative in their industry and we'll talk about how they got to where they are, who influenced them, what books they read or who their mentors were and we'll also talk about where education is going to go in the future. My guest this week is Nienke Hochflit, who is a designer and studio owner. Her studio, Studio Nienke Hochflit, is a design studio for material research, experimental and conceptual design. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. We get into it in this episode. And if you're listening to it, the week it comes out, she will be on Dutch Design Week. And if you're in the Netherlands, I recommend it. Dutch Design Week in Eindhoven is the largest design event in Northern Europe and presents work and concept from more than 2,600 designers and has more than 355,000 visitors from home and abroad. So kind of a big deal. And I'm very happy to have her on this week on the pod. This is a great conversation and I really hope you enjoy it. Small detail and also kind of an apology. Turns out that when we recorded this, I didn't realize it was recording on my computer's microphone and not on my personal microphone, like the one that I'm using now. I'm really sorry about that. I do hope that you will still enjoy the interview because Ninka's parts are clear and perfect. So let's begin. And here is my conversation with Ninka Hochfleet. Hi, Ninka. Good morning. How are you? Hi, good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. And you? Um, also very good. I, uh, we spoke a little bit before I started recording. It's been a morning. So let's begin. Tell the audience who you are and what you're currently doing. So yeah, I'm Ninka Hochfleet. I'm a designer or an artist or a bit of both, maybe. Um, I have a design studio called Studio Ninka Hochfleet that I now run together with Tim Jogerius. And um, we are based in The Hague, Den Haag. And uh, we are researching how we can change or shape new perspectives uh, through design. So we are searching for ways how we can change the world and make it a bit of a better place by using design. <laughs> I, I, I love that. There's this misconception that designers only work on aesthetics and that we only work on one direction. And I think a lot of them do, but during the Green Canvas interview, I loved hearing how you were exploring about what the toxins are already in clothing, how to reuse plastic, and just being creative with materials that are already existing, finding a way to actually reuse them and repurpose them. It, it was great. I, I, I will definitely link that interview in the show notes because it really I found that really inspiring. So Thank you. How did you. How did you get here? So when did this curiosity start? When did the... Were you always creative or, and how did you get here? Yes, I uh, I come from a family where my mom was a very creative, well, still is a very creative uh, person. Uh, and especially in the direction of textiles, my family has been, uh, or my great grandparents have been tailors and their parents. So I think textiles, it's sort of related or it, it's sort of connected to my DNA. Um, but at the same time, I think my dad is maybe the more idealistic, idealistic person. So um, uh, he, yeah, 
I think I got a bit of both of them <laughs> and I only learned how to connect those two, uh, the idealism and the creativity uh, in art school. So I studied at the Willem de Koning Academy in Rotterdam in the Netherlands and um, I, yeah, I slowly started to see how art or design can be a medium to, uh, yeah, to tell a story. That's, that's so interesting that you had these two parts of you and these two influences and then through formal education you brought them together and what was what was your experience like in art school was it everything you expected was it challenging um, I think there is this idea that art school is an easy place where we get grades with you get a happy walrus you get (laughs) a oh you didn't do so good you get a frowny raccoon what was your experience like with formal education My education has been very important to me, but it has not been the most important thing. Uh, I think um, after graduating, I started my own studio immediately because I wanted to learn more by researching myself. It's not that education um, in art school didn't allow me to research myself because they really pushed on it. So yeah, what the course that I did is called uh, Now Lifestyle Transformation transformation design um, but when I did it it was called lifestyle and design uh, and it, it was a very wide education so people were uh, we were taught about uh, trend forecasting about concept development about styling for fashion and interior we were taught about photography graphic design like a lot of different things <clears throat> uh, which was really great and it really helped me to see how big this creative t- field is Um, uh, and it was also very free so uh, within all these um, disciplines do you say it like that discipline yeah disciplines Um, you were allowed to um, to follow your own heart and to to focus on what you uh, liked most. So I think that was very important to um, to try out all these different aspects and then see what suits me. Um, but that also means that uh, yeah, when I found out what I wanted to do, I was almost already graduated. <laughs> so, so that's when I started the studio and that's when I think I really found my passion on what I want to do and what, how I want to tell my story and what kind of a designer or artist I want to be. What I'm hearing, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that art school was not, it was a, it was a step, it wasn't the step. There is this idea that to be an artist or a designer you need to go to art school because that's the step, that's the validating step. But sounds from what you're saying that it was just a step on the ladder that started before with your parents and with your grandparents in Texas. And then you took that step to to get to know yourself better. But it was part of your process. It wasn't the key part of it, but it was a, a great part of it. Yes, I think you perfectly summarize it like that. Yes. <laughs> Yay. So and now tell me about your teacher. So you have spoken about your family that influenced you and probably opened your eyes or guided you in some way and then teachers in and and you also had teachers in your formal education in the in the academy what was that like did you notice a difference between how were you pushed more in the academy i'm guessing or did your were you also pushed at home uh no i think my parents were very free um 
they never really pushed me into anything. So in art school, it was a bit different because then you, they want to open your eyes. They want to see. And I think that's also the most important lesson I learned in art school is the way you see the world around you and the way you uh, look at certain topics and how you can uh, be inspired by them. But some of my teachers, they, of course, want to want you to see the world through their eyes. Uh, <laughs> I think this is a bit of a difficult part about art is that it's always uh, subjective. And um, sometimes I didn't agree with the teachers because I saw things differently. And um, um, that meant that, yeah, even though a teacher was maybe pushing to do go into a certain direction with the project um, uh, it was so important to stay true to yourself uh, and that is uh, what i loved learning most is that you should not listen to others but you should listen to yourself so <laughs> i love that i i love so i was actually going to be my next question like what happens with feedback because one of the key points of having teachers and having mentors and stuff like that is that they give you feedback. But then there's also the key step in saying, maybe I don't want to take this feedback. Maybe this is not. And then comes the critical thought on the student side and say, in saying, they're pushing me in that direction that I don't want to go. I want to go this art direction and say like, thank you for your feedback. I appreciate it. But I'm going to go this other way. Yeah, I think it was very funny because I had one teacher who uh, actually was quite important to me, um, but I could never understand his feedback. I just didn't understand what he was saying. And at first I always um, tried to interpret what he was saying and um, yeah, to, to make the best out, like moving in his direction of what I thought the feedback meant. <laughs> Uh, but I never got it right. So at a certain point, I thought, okay, I, I'm going to take his feedback, but I don't understand what he's saying. So I'm going to do anyway what I want to do myself. And at that moment, when I started to do that, my grades went up and uh, uh, he also liked my work better. <laughs> so I think that was a very important lesson for me to, uh, to, to stay true to myself. Yeah, Maybe that was the lesson in itself. Yeah, maybe it <laughs> could be. That's so meta. Maybe that his feedback was a lesson on how to take feedback. <laughs> I should uh, ask him this then maybe one day. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he'll be like, oh, you find another student had a one. The classic art school. Yes. Art school I, episode. Yeah, that's classic art school, I think. Yeah. <laughs> S sitting at night, putting together pieces of a puzzle that don't exist. <laughs> be like, what is happening? So, um... Would you say that was the most influential teacher, the one that really marked you? Yes, definitely. And did you have any others, maybe when you were younger, that pushed you into this direction that made you say, oh, I can do this, or maybe I shouldn't go this way? I interviewed a person whose, um, whose teacher once told him, you're too ugly for radio. Wow, that's mean. <laughs> yeah, I thought, wow, that's uh, that was unnecessary. Yeah, but this... Um... Maybe it's not a very relevant experience, I don't know. But when I was in primary school, my teachers also told me that I wasn't smart enough to go to uh, uh, VWO. 
Hey everyone, me again, Alex, the one that has a terrible audio in this episode. Uh, Ninge asked me to clarify in this short intermission what FEVEO is. In the Dutch school system, you are divided into different categories when you're in school. And FEVEO is the course that you have to take if one day you want to go to university. So her teachers telling her that she wasn't smart enough for that meant that they felt that she wasn't smart enough to go to college one day. So yeah, just to add a little context to that. Also, now that I have you here, I would like to also tell you that if you're listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts and you're not subscribed, you won't be able to see the show notes, all the links that I have there. And they range from Nimke's work to some recommendations to her past episode on Green Canvas, which I would 100% recommend. So if you want to get access to those links, you can go to the website, which is doineedschooltobe.bossprout.com, or you can subscribe to this show and get access to the links of this episode and all past episodes. So yeah, enough of my babble, let's go back to Ninga. And um, I was very t determined that I wanted to do a gymnasium, so with Greek and Latin languages. Um, and when they told me I, I couldn't do it, um, I, I felt pretty bad. <laughs> But it also made me determine that I will show them that I can do it. And then I did it. So I, I dropped the Greek and the Latin at the, <laughs> the third year. But I, uh, I, I did the FBO and... Um, Yeah, I, I think I think that's also a recurring uh, theme even later when the studio, uh, uh, when I started the studio, when people tell me something is not possible, I get more motivated to uh, <laughs> to actually show them that it is possible. So, yeah, that can be an important lesson too. That That's totally an important lesson. That's amazing. You see this, you take it as a challenge. Like they give yes. you and you're like, okay, maybe you can't do it. Let's see if I can. <laughs> exactly. And and those things also shape you. Those are that's why I wanted to talk about uh, in the questions I sent you, like who are like not so great teachers because they also teach you something. They mm -hmm. maybe teach you how not to teach, or they teach you how to grow resilience and be like, hey, I am a resilient person. I am going to take what you said and I'm going to push through it. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. And. Now that you're developing all these techniques and you have all these knowledge that you have gathered, I especially like the one about the fish, uh, about the fish skin from mm -hmm. from the ports. Do you see yourself as a teacher or as or putting processes in a way that you can eventually teach them to others? Um, I see myself. I think it depends a bit on how you define the, um, the word uh, teacher. Uh, because loose sense of the word, loose sense of the word possible. Yeah, well, my or our and most important goal is to change perspectives. So what we want to do is we want to research a certain topic and then show people how it can be different. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's always our goal, you know, to, that um, uh, we tell the story and after people saw our work or visited our exhibition, they will think differently about something. And you could say that maybe that is something a teacher does as well, that the teacher, you know, um, change perspectives too, and then, then opens your mind a little bit. Um, but it has never been my goal, <laughs> sort of, uh, uh, to, to because I don't want to lecture people. I think that's also very 
important difference that I want to make people understand themselves. So when we work on a certain project, um, we hope that people understand themselves how um, yeah how how things might be when it's different. I don't want to say you're doing something bad, but I want to show we can do something good. Um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. But <laughs> it totally does, and I think it's because we are ha we are breaking through, or we're leaving behind this hierarchical idea that the teacher is here and the students are here. Yes. And the teacher's job is just to lecture and just like pour information into them. And we're evolving to a point in which the teacher is more of a guide. And in your case, taking people and saying, this is what you know about the world, about these materials, about clothing, the clothing that you buy at a store. This is what you know. Let me show you that there's more to learn. There's more ideas. There's all these toxins. I found that terrifying. <laughs> Yes, it is terrifying. Yes. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? And maybe in this way you can teach even more people. I hope so. That you could teach, that you could teach just yourself, just by you. You're creating this ripple effect around you that can affect way more people and just put out these new ideas and this knowledge. So I think that's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> and do you see yourself ever becoming a mentor? Like if somebody came to you and said, I want to do what you're doing, what do you think a mentor is in this new digital world? Mm, yeah, I, I think I, I could be a mentor. Um, uh, I, I work a lot with interns, for example, as well. And um, uh, I hope I can be sort of a mentor to them. Um, but if I would be a mentor, I, I'm always making sure that people follow their own, uh, you know, their own personal beliefs or their own fascinations or their own story that they want to tell. Uh, because I only think you can make an impact when you are very true to yourself. Um, so I don't want to teach people how to be like me or to think like me, but I want people to, yeah, to stay true to their own self. And uh, that's the most difficult lesson of all, because <laughs> knowing what you want and uh, uh, standing up to show what you want, it's, yeah, it's very difficult. But that's, that's the direction you would push them to. You would yes. push them to say like, hey, let's do things together and let's figure out what you, what you want to do and who you are. Exactly. Because my truth, it's not their truth and their truth is not my truth. So. You can uh, you can have a certain uh, shared vision of the world, or um, you can share the same goals. But um, in the end, I think we're all our own. Yeah, we all follow our own process, and uh, we all yeah, our dreams might be a little bit different. And it's very important to stay true to that. I love that. I love that the idea of a shared vision that we can achieve all in our own unique ways. Bringing, yes. bringing each of us our own unique talents and spectrums. Like maybe somebody's very good at one thing, maybe somebody's very good at another thing. But it's about seeing how we can bring those together and exactly. discover what they are. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. That, that's a that's a t-shirt right there. That, that, that's, <laughs> that, that's a that's a t-shirt. That's a hat. That's a wristband. That's all the things. <laughs> um, and when it comes to with this idea of finding a shared vision. 
where do you see creative education going in the future? Because it's transforming. Like I said before, it's going from the teacher breaking you apart because they don't like your work and re-putting it back together to now you can learn online, you can learn at, now that museums are opening again, you can learn at art exhibits like yours. Where do you see it going in the future? I think I think it's still very important that there is like good education, but I think the education should be more focused on not this collective idea of what art should be, or uh, but really focused on yeah this how do people find their inner voice maybe um, when you look at graduate uh, projects from graduation students. Uh, you so often see projects that are a bit similar to others or uh, to things that have been done already. And then I'm sometimes a bit disappointed that because I don't think then that's really their true inner voice that, you know, they've listened to. They looked at what society might expect or what society approved already. So they do something similar. Um, but if you really want to change something, you need to yeah, you need to be uh, true to you, to yourself because it's always different than what someone else thinks. Um, and uh, I hope that the art education will go really in that direction, like pushing more towards this individual uh, belief, but at the same time, don't lose that we can work together when we share the same goal, because it is very important to, we're not just individuals, but we are all connected. So. Um, we need to uh, we need to work together to change the world uh, and uh, <laughs> I hope art school finds this balance between working together and pushing the individual side and I think that now with the because now we have the internet now more than ever it's possible to connect with other people and with people around the world um, and do you see it in the future pushing to combine silos in the sense that a design student in the Netherlands can work with an engineer in South America to come up with an idea to help push those things? Do you think that now creative education should start working on a combined vision with people who are outside of the art and design industry? Um, yes, I think, uh, well, my belief is that we have one goal together now and that's to stop climate change. <laughs> but, yes, uh, that's, that's the goal. <laughs> uh, but of course, um, not, not every student feels like that. So I think it's also important to respect when someone doesn't feel the need to talk about climate change, then please don't talk about something else. But, um... I, I, yeah, I really hope that we can start to connect worldwide because it is a global problem that we have. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know, from my experience this last year, working digitally can also be quite difficult uh, when you've never met someone in person. Um, it is a bit different than when you have met someone in person. Uh, and um, for some projects, it worked very well. And for others, it's uh, it's a bit yeah, complicated. So um, maybe a combination of digital and uh, <laughs> in real life. Uh, 
but um, I don't know how we could do that because you're you're not gonna travel to South America every week uh, <laughs> to work together. So that wouldn't be so sustainable either. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that you said that we cannot completely rely on technology. I, there is a lot of people or there's like now saying like, oh, we have Bitcoin, everything is fixed. And I'm like, no, it's, we cannot fix anything, everything with a digital medium. Yeah, that's very true. And especially because of, of your work, because you design, you work with materials. You were told me that the other way you are shearing sheep. <laughs> yes. No, I wasn't doing it myself. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> that's an experience. I, I am I am terrified of sheep. Let's let's start there. I am terrified oh, yeah. of sheep. I am terrified of sheep and goats. I don't trust their eyes. I don't know what they're looking. Oh. So it, it freaks me out. Um, but that's I right. understand that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> But that's an experience. I mean, there. Could you can you tell us a little bit more about that project? Like, does it? Are you working with the wool, actually having it in your hands and everything? Uh, yeah. What we are doing at the moment is uh, it's for the upcoming Dutch Design Week in October. Uh, it's a project uh, about values and value, and how they are connected. So, um, uh, what we're doing is we're making two uh, handmade carpets, one in the Netherlands and one in Armenia. And we're following the whole process from sheep to finished uh, carpet. And um, we want to uh, yeah, follow every step. So where did the sheep live? Where, uh, who shears the sheep? Uh, where does the wool go? Uh, where is it washed? Where is it spun? Uh, who is then making the carpet? Everything. Um, and then we want to start this discussion with people. Um, what are the important aspects about um, about these processes? Is it important that the one carpet was made in the Netherlands, so it's quite local? Or is it more important that uh, in Armenia, everything really happens on one spot, uh, like one location? Is that So it's also quite local, but then local in Armenia. And um, uh, is it more important that the sheep walked through the mountains or that they were in the meadows in the Netherlands or that the wool was washed with chemicals or it wasn't washed with chemicals. And so we want to get a bit of an understanding of uh, how people value um, process. Uh, and uh, in that way, we hope to understand what creates value, um, uh, not in a financial way, but more in like the, the emotional way. Because if you really value an object, you will hold on to it for much longer, I guess. And you maybe it becomes an, uh, an heirloom or, you know. Uh, um, and I think that's also a very important aspect of sustainability. It's not just about using the most sustainable materials, it's also about creating something that has the most value it can possibly have. So that's why I was shearing sheep. <laughs> or I, we were documenting, uh, filming and photographing uh, the shearing of the sheep. Yeah. I, I, I love how that links beautifully what we have been talking about today. It's about teaching people, showing them new perspectives, opening their eyes to what they thought before. Maybe somebody thinks like, okay, it's important that it's made locally. Yeah, but can also be made locally somewhere else. Like who are the people doing it? And that you're going deep into who is shearing the sheep? What kind of life is the sheep living? Uh, for the podcast, I interview Chef uh, Chef Michelle Fox, who is a chef in, she's a regenerative farmer and a chef. And she was telling me about how 
she believes in putting back to the earth, not extracting from the earth, but putting also back what we take from it. And when it comes to animals, she was telling me, oh, I have a pig in my house, but a pig is called barbecue chips. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? It's like, we're going to eat this pig eventually. That's mm-hmm. why I call it barbecue chips. So my daughter understands that this pig is going to be food because how you treat this animal while it's alive is an important lesson to respect it when you're eating it. Yes. It's about including everything in the process and not staying only in the outcome, which is in your case, the two, the two rugs, but also going into how was this made? Where did it come from? Who, if anyone suffered when it comes to it? And to your other project about the toxicity in food that come in, and in clothing, because from fast fashion, asking the questions, where was this made? Why was mm-hmm. it made this way? Why was it necessary to make it this way? Exactly. And that's, I think, very important. Uh, uh, sustainability, it's not just about using the right materials or uh, the right process, but it's about an holistic, uh, applying a holistic vision. So you try to look at all the aspects that are involved, not just um, energy consumption or chemicals, but also about the people who are doing it and, you know, the whole picture. Because if you don't look at the whole picture, then maybe you're forgetting an aspect that can have and it has a negative impact there. So, yeah, it's um, sustainability for me really is about applying this holistic vision. I really hope that is something that's also implemented into design education at some point. I hope so, too. To make us think about, like you said, every like the entire the process the entire process who's behind it what can we do for it and how can we work for these conjoined vision you mentioned yes but how do we do that i think it's quite <laughs> well it starts with teachers i think it really starts with teachers and how the teachers should be aware of this and so they can teach them this yeah yeah and that highlights the importance of teachers and that's actually one of the reasons that i'm making this podcast saying that it's important because they shape the future generations Mm-hmm. and it's how are we going to integrate it it's not just about talking the talk we should be sustainable it's about walking the walk and do work like the work that you do well thank you mm-hmm. so much for this interview it has truly been great it has really opened my eyes and showed me a little bit about your process and I love that and your background um, so that's coming to that is there anything you want to plug or talk to the audience about it can be books that you like a project that you're working on um, a movie that you love anything what, do you, what would you like to plug uh yeah i don't know um what can i say uh, yeah i already talked about the project we're doing for the design week um well maybe it's important that people understand that uh besides uh changing these perspectives uh we we are also working a lot on implementing them in industries so for example when uh, with the seaweeds project uh, we made a unique piece that uh, tells the story uh, of how seaweed can become a sustainable material for the textile industry as a yarn and a dye. Um, but we don't want to stop there. We want to uh, really change the industry. So um, at the moment, that's something we are working on together with scientists. And uh, I, I learn a lot from them as well, like um, uh, connecting different uh, fields of expertise. Um, it's really great uh, to, to educate yourself. Um, yeah, so uh, one day it will be um, in, in, in industrial process. And that way, yeah, we hopefully teach the industry also that things can be different. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for this interview. I hope you have 
a great day and we'll definitely stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> and just like that, friends, we have made it to the end of the episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and that you get got curious about Ninka's work. I've been following her preparations on social media for Dutch Design Week and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. It's an important topic and I hope you are going to look into it. Again, there's a link in the show notes for you if you want to see her previous appearances on Green Canvas and other work that she's doing and that she has on social media or her website. Just check it out. Thank you for joining me again this week. I hope you like it. Uh, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcasting app that you use. And to yeah, shoot us a DM, reach out to us on social media, visit the website, all the things, you know, what to do. And yeah, I hope to be in your ears next week with another awesome interview. Keep learning, stay curious and have a good week. Bye.